こんにちは、みなさん。ビジネス・サクセス・ジャパンのポッドキャストへようこそ。Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Business Success Japan Podcast.This is your host, Liddy Buchelman.My main goal here is to create an easily accessible resource for those who want to develop Japan-specific communication skills, especially in business.While I can't and won't promise to make you fluent in Japanese, I hope that you will walk away from each episode with a skill, piece of information, or shift in mindset that will help you be more effective in your interactions with Japanese business people. Today's guest is Angel Guevara, founder of the marketing agency Hypermilk, and his new movement, website, and ongoing seminar series for all things entrepreneurship in Japan, Nightcrawlers. I'll link to these in the description of this episode, so be sure to check them out. We talk a lot about creativity and entrepreneurship in Japan, and I'm very excited to share all of his amazing insights with you today. But before we get into the episode, let's quickly go over a little bit of Japanese language. In the previous episode, we went over the word for a traditional Japanese in ryokan, ryokan, ryokan. Today, I'll walk you through a word that you may already be familiar with. But is definitely worth going over due to its importance in Japanese business culture. Kaizen. Ka. I. Ze. N. Kaizen. Kaizen means betterment or improvement in Japanese, but it really encompasses the emphasis in Japanese culture to push for persistent and incremental improvements. It's a term that has been popularized outside of Japan as well, as the concept has allowed the dramatic rise of Japanese companies such as Toyota. Today, we look at some of the challenges that this mindset tends to produce in Japanese corporate life, so be sure to listen carefully for that. And without any further delay, let's get into today's interview with Angel. All right, would you mind introducing yourself a little bit to my audience? Of course. Thank you for having me, by the way. My name is Angel Guevara. And I am the CEO of Hypermilk. Hypermilk is a creative agency in Japan. And we help、uh, international companies localize in Japan. And we also help Japanese companies develop brand identity. We make designs. We do many things, mostly the creative work. And I am also the leader of Nightcrawlers. Nightcrawlers is, is many things, but we are a community of entrepreneurs in Japan. With the goal of creating more entrepreneurs, inspiring people to pursue their dreams and improve Japan. And that's it for me. Awesome. So, why Japan? What's your history with Japan then?、Um, That's a good question. Usually, people have some sort of history with Japan. I didn't. I mean, my history with Japan was basically when I was in college in America. I was the president of the international club, and like we had a lot of like international students from all over the world, like Korean students, Vietnamese students,、uh, students from the Middle East. And、um, we had a bunch of Japanese students, and you know, like we became friends, and they inspired me to come here just to visit. And I came here and I fell in love with the culture, the people, and everything. And, and after that, I just I decided to stay and I've been here for four years. Yeah, that's awesome. So, what did you do when you first got to Japan? Because a lot of times expats arriving in Japan do one thing before moving into entrepreneurship. Right, right, right. That's a good question. So, 
I came to Japan four years ago. I was 22, and I was a, a language uh, student. So I was studying Japanese. And I was there for like a year. But it just, it, just, it just didn't click. Like, I was learning and I was having fun. But, you know, I was never really a fan of the whole uh, structure of school. Mm -hmm. uh, especially Japanese language schools. They tend to be... They have many connections with, like, semongakos. Semongakos are basically, like, technical schools or universities. And they want to, like, breed their students to then get their JLPT, get a good level of Japanese, and then go to university. So mm -hmm. everything they did was not so much teaching, but like push us to go to university there. Like, you know, and for me, that was, that was not so good in my opinion. So I was like, you know what, let me find a job. I found a job, I quit school, and then I started studying by myself. But the first thing I did was uh, I was a Japanese language student so then why did you decide mm -hmm. to move into this space of using your talents to help other expats kind of make their way in the country was it trying to make a service that you wish had been there when you first got there or well not not necessarily to expats oh, okay you know uh for me i just try to help anyone it's not necessarily targeted to expats um we also have a lot of japanese people who attend our events but I saw that there was a big change happening in Japan when I came here. It became more international, more people started coming in from other countries. However, the jobs that were listed on the web on websites were mostly like either and still either like English teacher or recruiter and I feel like we have you know way more talent than that. Uh, not to disrespect any English teachers or recruiters. I know that those are very awesome jobs. However, there are people who just don't want to do that. And we, there are people who really want to use their, their gift, you know, like their creative energy to, to develop a job or a service that can help people. And when I came here, like I didn't see that. And when I was working in Japanese companies, being creative, was really frowned upon. Like they always wanted you to be a this certain type of person. Like for example, um, when I was working in a Japanese company, uh, the manager pulled me to the side and he's like, dude, you smile too much. <laughs> you should stop smiling. And I'm like, what? And then he's like, yeah. And when you walk, your back is too straight. Like, weird bro so you know in, in here the the culture is to conform mm -hmm. and they want us to conform as well and many people are okay with that but for me that's a no-no because how do you develop a nation and push people to achieve their dreams if you conform it makes absolutely no sense yeah, I can see how that would be extremely frustrating, especially if you're a creative person yourself. But then going back to what you were saying about uh, foreigners in Japan having to fit in these kind of relatively small boxes, like you're either an engineer, recruiter, or a teacher, and that's pretty much it. Did you, 
you mentioned that you worked at some companies. Which companies did you try working at? I was actually working at a Swedish company. Oh, okay. This, yeah, this was a um, a study abroad company. So they helped students to go and start, like study abroad. And um, their marketing department was very archaic, like super archaic. Like they were basically doing like banners and like sending people like letters to promote their events and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, every time I was like giving them an idea or a new project, like they'll be like, nope. Nope, nope, too difficult. We can't do that. Moody, muskashi. And I was like, damn. So. We're not even going to try? That was, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, I was, are we not going to try anything new? And they're like, no. And then uh, while I was working there, I saw other workers. And they just did everything their supervisor told them, like, without any initiative. Mm -hmm. And then... You know, when I took initiative, they were like, <gasps> like, damn, like, 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 this guy's like disrupting the company too much. Right. And after that, I'm like, you know what, I'm going to quit and I'm going to do my own thing. Yeah, that sounds like it was a very good choice <laughs> given where you were working. Right. right. I mean, you know, for me, I always try to be grateful when people give me opportunities. Mm-hmm. And I'm not here to like complain about anyone. The company did what they had to do. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they have their beliefs. And I respect that. And I'm grateful that they gave me an opportunity to be there. Mm -hmm. But um, that, that was not the job for me, definitely. So then looking at other foreigners who might be in your situation, I'm painting with a really, really broad brush here. But it seems like foreigners tend to fall into two camps when they come to Japan. They mm -hmm. either work as hard as they can to, quote unquote, become Japanese almost, or they just right. are trying so hard to maintain their own identity that they have zero interest in adapting to Japanese culture or norms or any expectations that Japanese people might have of them in their lives mm -hmm. or in their work. So do you have any thoughts on this kind of assimilation versus lack of adapting? Uh, definitely. I feel like the perfect or the best country uh, where people assimilate perfectly, in my opinion, is America. When I left Venezuela and I emigrated to the United States, I had to adapt to the culture, right? I had to learn English. I had to learn like uh, traditions, American history and all these things. But, of course, I cannot be fully American because I'm from Venezuela. So when I try to balance both my Venezuelan background and, my, and adopting American values and history and all these things, it was a very smooth ride. And people accepted me because I tried. And I feel like uh, if you move to a country, especially to Japan, uh, you've got to be very careful how you assimilate to the culture and so like like Lydia like you mentioned there's usually two extremes in the spectrum of, of foreigners who come to Japan you have either the guy or girl who basically they live in Japan physically they are in Japan but mentally they are still in their home country mm. and you know I'm not criticizing anyone but it's just 
is the way that it is. And on the other hand, on the other side of the spectrum, you have the foreigner who, um, I guess they had a fixation with Japan growing up and they really like anime and manga. And when, then when they come here, they're like, all right, I'm gonna ignore other foreigners and just gonna hang out with Japanese people. And they really try to transform into a Japanese person. But the reality is that you will never be a Japanese person. So if you could balance it and, you know, come to the country, learn the history, the culture, um, the manners and all these things, and you bring your own spice, like your own, like a little bit of, of, your, of your culture and you combine it, I feel like that's the best way to assimilate. So then is there more of a science to it? Like this percentage, I will be quote unquote Japanese, this percentage, I will be my home country's culture or is it more of an art where you're adapting based on maybe the person you're talking to the situation you're in what do you think about that that is a very very good question and i would go with the second one mm -hmm. which is it's more of like an art for example if i meet a person who doesn't have a lot of experience regarding um the outside world outside of japan i try to be more japanese However, if I talk to a professional who has a little bit more international experience, I can be a little bit more myself in that way. Mm -hmm. So that depending on who you talk to, you like, you know, the saying that human beings are like creatures of many masks. It's kind of like that. You change depending on the person and you adjust to that person. If that person is very Japanese, I adapt to that. If the person is more chill and westernized, I adapt to that. Is that something that you just kind of get a feel for with practice? Or are there any tips that you could provide for people with that and figuring that out? Um, I guess just practice, but you know how Japanese people say uh, you got to read the atmosphere? Mm -hmm. It's kind of like that. Yep. Like you read the air and then you see like, all right, um, I guess these people are more traditional. Let me adapt to that. Let me use kego. Let me bow. Let me have small gestures. However, if they're more westernized, let's say I'm working with Google Japan, I'll be more chill. Not too chill, but more chill. Mm -hmm. So then do you think this issue of not knowing kind of what identity you're supposed to have when you're in Japan, that's especially difficult for foreigners. Do you think that tends to lead to imposter syndrome, especially if you're an entrepreneur or a creative person who maybe tends to have less of a set place in Japanese culture? Wow. Very good question. I feel, I feel that as human beings, like our top priority first, the first thing we got to do is to know ourselves, to really dig deep into our subconscious and to get to know ourselves, to know uh, the things we like, the things we don't like, our fears, hopes, dreams. And based on that, we start to consciously monitor our thoughts. Imposter syndrome comes from the false belief that you are not worth it or you're not enough the way you are 
So especially creative people, they have this perfectionist mentality, right? If I write an article, this article has to be perfect. If I make a, a design or I make a podcast or whatever, it has to be perfect. But nothing is really perfect, right? So if you, and going back to knowing yourself, if you know yourself and you let yourself, you give a permission to fail. You give yourself permission to fail, you will get rid of imposter syndrome because it's like, well, it might not be perfect, but at least I'm doing something. And I feel like most of people's problems in the world comes from not knowing yourself. Mm -hmm. If you don't know yourself, you might get into abusive relationships, friends, like hang out with friends that might not be good for you. And you will waste a lot of time in life because you don't really know what you want. So if you come to Japan, you know yourself, you know what you want, you prioritize your needs and you can consciously monitor your emotions, you'll be fine. You will not have imposter syndrome. Yeah, that definitely makes a lot of sense. But for people who maybe are not in a place where they really know themselves yet, who may still be figuring out who they are, even what they like, what right. type of person they want to become. Do you right. have any insight into what people can do to discover themselves, to learn more about themselves? Because I know a person isn't a singular thing, but to kind of explore right. who they are and become more aware of it. Definitely. One is giving yourself the time to meditate and just think about what things you want in life. And if you don't know, exposure is very good. Let's say you have no idea what you want in life. Try painting today. Tomorrow you try hiking. The next day you try playing video games. The next day you read a book. Like you, as you try many things. And as you expose yourself to many um, areas of life, you start prioritizing. Oh, this is cool. I like this. Oh, I don't like this so much. Eh. This thing brings me a lot of joy and happiness. I want to do this. So exposing yourself and going outside of your comfort zone is something that I really recommend to people. Like it's, it's so important to just try different things. And then your intuition will tell you. Like, like this is not like, it's, it's not rocket science. Like when you, when you know something is right, you feel it, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, let's say, Mozart, like Mozart playing the piano. Like, he, he felt it. Like, he's like, all right, like, this is for me. Just exposure. Uh, what do you think? It definitely ties into the idea that people have the most energy and they have the m most sustained energy for things that they have enthusiasm for. So if you can find things that you're enthusiastic about, that will take you a lot farther than just digging into something that you've not arbitrarily chosen, maybe very thoughtfully chosen, but it may not actually resonate with you as a person in a deeper level. Exactly, exactly, 100%. And that's why you gotta find the thing or activity that really resonates with you, like in a, in a very deep psychological level. 
if, if you can achieve that, then you'll be fine. Because now I'm doing marketing and design and creative stuff, and I'm so happy. But uh, there used to be a time where I was teaching English in Japan, and I was miserable. Just miserable. Because, again, my personality and the things that I want in life and what I'm good at does not match the job. If it doesn't match the job, it, there's going to be a conflict. Something else you guys can do to know yourself, maybe take like an online quiz. There is a, there is a website, I think it's called understandingmyself.com or understandingyourself.com. And if you pay $10, uh, you can take like a personality quiz and it's really good and they lay down for you. They really tell you like, for example, you are a disagreeable person. Person, You're an agreeable person. You are creative. You are conscientious. You are, you know, and so on and so on. And if you know yourself, again, you can find the correct path for you. So trying things, doing your homework and following your passion or at least your enthusiasm. You may not know what your passion is yet, but if you can follow your enthusiasm and do a little bit of homework on yourself, that should go a long way. Oh, yeah. So then going back about what you were saying about creativity in Japan, you mentioned that, especially in a corporate setting, there isn't much room for people to explore new things. You're very much expected to do what the person above you tells you to do because they're, they've been there longer, they understand what's going on. They understand the expectations. So can you tell me a little bit about what you think creativity looks like in Japan? I know it's changing very quickly, but in your experience, what does creativity tend to look like in Japan? Definitely. There, of course, there are many differences between, let's say, the United States and Japan. But one of the main differences is that Americans are pioneers. And by pioneers, I mean that, you know, Americans invented the automobile, the airplane, the television, and so on and so on. Whereas Japan, people in Japan are not pioneers. They do, in Japanese, we say kaizen. Mm -hmm. Kaizen is the concept of improving upon something. So a Japanese company, Let's say Toyota. Toyota grabs the concept of the car from Henry Ford and they develop something entirely uh, different and better. But again, it's built upon something. But a Japanese company will not invent something new. That, that, that's just not in the culture. Because the culture is very risk, um, very risk averse. Again, it's not a criticism, it's just the way that it is. Creativity in Japan is basically, it depends on the industry. Let's say you're a game designer or something like that. I guess you would have more creative liberties. However, if you are a normal salaryman or office lady, there's basically no creativity because you have to do everything your boss tells you. And many times your boss might be in the company, let's say, 10 years longer than you, but that doesn't mean anything. What do you mean so, by not meaning anything? Um, because in Japanese culture, the idea of having somebody ahead of you is so important. Like it's senpai, it's sensei. It's always like ahead of you. So if they've been around there longer, 
that means that they are guiding you, they're teaching you. So, right. But mm -hmm. does it really mean? Let, let's say, for example, my senpai is two years older than me. Mm -hmm. Does that mean he has more knowledge about a topic, mm -hmm. or this person has more talent than me, just because they have been in that company for two years? Of course not. But it's so hard because in America we have that a little. Well, it depends on the company, but right. we are a little bit more comfortable with having people come in who are at a different level than the people in charge. Like that's a little bit more allowed to coexist. But how do you see a culture that has that so ingrained, so fundamentally ingrained? How could that possibly start to change? Right, exactly. Um, I'm not saying the concept should change. Mm -hmm. um, I'm just saying... And many people like this. They love the seniority. Mm -hmm. However, it kills creativity. Oh, okay. Because let's say your kohai has a very good idea. But then your senpai says no. Then the idea dies. Mm -hmm. If it's a very technical field where you don't need a lot of creativity, I feel it's okay. However, creativity should be more coming from a flat organization. Mm -hmm. So, for example, let me tell you about Hypermilk. Hypermilk is what I call an anti-company. And by anti-company, I mean we are a group of freelancers that get together, we work on a project, and then we deliver the project. As freelancers, we're all equal. Of course, we have different talents, we have different skills and dreams and passions, but we're, no one is above anyone. And because there is no seniority, ideas flow mm -hmm. there's no seniority filter everything flows easily yeah i can definitely see how that would be the case is that something you think could be scalable or is the point that it's kind of a more smaller more agile more adaptable setup right it's definitely more agile and adaptable i'm not sure if it's scalable or not but that is not my concern mm -hmm. um what i want to do is inspire people to make their own thing right so for example let's say let's say for example an office lady in japan she goes to her company and she feels like maybe women don't get the, the respect they deserve in the company because japan is very male dominated right mm -hmm. and she can complain about it and she can go to the media and do all these things that's nice and everything but you can grab all that energy and start your own thing and then become successful with your idea and then inspire other people to be like that. So what I, I, I don't want people to make changes in their company. Just I want them to start their thing and inspire other people to change with their own thing. Because let's say Toyota. Toyota has been like that for hundreds of for 100 years and they will continue to be like that. So you're trying to, oh my God, I need to change. And I'm like, nah, like change starts from within. So if you don't like where a company's going or the culture, just get the hell out of there and start your own thing. Again, Japan nowadays is very open to entrepreneurship, especially like cities like Fukuoka, where they are like bringing many entrepreneurs from other countries. Like Japan is opening up little by little. So time is now to start doing your own thing. Yeah, it sounds like such an exciting time to be a part of all of that creative energy that's just 
emerging all of a, well i know it's not all of a sudden it looks like all of a sudden but it's been building for quite a while correct so so then looking at these bigger companies these more established companies more traditional industries as well what do you think the scarcity mindset has to do with this kind of strong corporate culture and difficulties with creativity inside of it definitely a good question by the way so regardless of where you live society thrives on controlling people with low with low self-esteem that's just something that's in every culture society uh mainstream media they will go out of their way to control people with low self-esteem collective cultures are very organized and you can do a lot of things with these types of setups however the lack of self in a collective culture means that a lot of people have very low self-esteem if you have low self-esteem you will not be able to stand up for yourself and make your own thing right so especially in japan people who stand out they get pushed down you stand out and then you get pushed down again and that's the way that it is and i think everywhere in america too like if you have low self-esteem people will always try to control you tell you what to do tell you that you're no good but if your creativity comes from a place of mindfulness from knowing yourself and from something higher than yourself let's say the universe god or whatever it is your your self esteem is made out of steel because you know that that's your your god given right to spread your creative seeds upon the world so no collective culture no company can keep you down and of course if you have a big company it's good but at the same time it kills creativity because there's many rules uh a lot, the hi- the hierarchy is very strong and if you have too many rules creativity doesn't flow because creativity comes from chaotic energy creativity is basically as humans we take chaos and we transmute it into order but if there's no chaos to begin with there's no creativity yeah if you know exactly where you're supposed to go and what you're supposed to do that doesn't leave much room to change anything <laughs> so exactly and i right i really want to inspire people to of course like respecting the culture and the laws and everything respecting society but at the same time guys if you have something you want to do that comes from deep inside you you got to stand up and go and do it mm-hmm. like like no it's like culture society company will keep you down mm-hmm. and it definitely can be done with kind of that balancing act art where you are balancing respect for the culture with what you need to do how you want to do it so there are ways mm-hmm. to do it in a way that isn't just kind of snow plowing over japan <laughs> exactly 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 mm-hmm. the idea the is not right the idea is not to change japan mm-hmm. um especially in the united states people consider the word change as as something good but change can be something bad i mean my country was the richest country in latin america 10 years ago and now is the poorest that's change right mm-hmm. so it's all about improving of course we respect the culture 
we work with Japan, but we want to improve it. If there are no, if innovation doesn't exist, the country stagnates. And we need people who dream big and just go out there and do their thing. And even though society tries to put you down, you're like, nah, bro, like, this is my destiny. Like, I, I got to do it. <laughs> you feel me? Like, I got to mm -hmm. do it. Yeah, you'll never be happy if you're just keeping yourself in a situation that isn't for you. You have to do what's right for you in the end. Exactly. If you want to do exactly. a good job. You won't be a good English teacher if you hate teaching English. It's just exactly. <laughs> Exactly. When I was teaching English and I saw all the teachers and I'm like, man, none of them look like me. And by look, I mean like way of thinking, like, like this is not the world that I want to be in. And I, I just felt it. And I'm like, nah, like this is not for me. Of course, I'm grateful for the opportunity, but I'm like, nah, like, and you know, something really interesting about foreigners in Japan, like a couple of years ago, I was talking to a friend in a picnic in Tokyo and like, well, not a friend. Like I met him there for the first time and I'm like, Hey man, what do you do? And he's like, Oh, I'm a recruiter. And he asked me like, Oh, what do you do? And I'm like, Oh, I'm a teacher. Cause I was a teacher at that time. Mm -hmm. And then he's like, Oh, of course. And I'm like, what do you mean by of course? And he's like, because in Japan as a foreigner, the only two jobs you can get are recruiter or teacher. Mm. That's why he said. <laughs> so, so he said this, right? Mm -hmm. And then you tell these two other foreigners and they'll be like, yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right. That's right. Hmm. And I'm like, but what about the guy from Monitree? Right. The guy, the CEO of Monitree is Australian. And that guy is making bank. Mm-hmm. And what about my boss? He's the CEO and he's a foreigner too. And I'm like, dude, don't tell me the sky's the limit if we've been to the moon, right? Right. You see him right here. That's what I'm saying. We, and I guess we, we inherit this from our parents, mm -hmm. from our teachers, these limiting beliefs. Like, oh, like in the world, there are, there's a scarce number of resources, a limited number of opportunities, only these types of people can rise to power. And I'm like, that's, that's all crap. That's all crap. That's, those are all excuses. And because people have that way of thinking, they, they will never achieve anything. Because that is the filter that you view life with. If you wake up in the morning and all you see is scarcity in Japan, like, oh, Japan, Japan only has two types of jobs for foreigners. Number two, Japan is xenophobic. Number three, Japanese people are like, dude, if you see the world with these filters, that's what you're going to encounter because that's your reality. Mm -hmm. And people don't understand that we make our own reality. Yeah. Even just looking at something as simple as confirmation bias, people can pretty much more or less agree that it's a thing now, but you can extend that to other things too. You're only going to see those opportunities if those are the only opportunities you think are available to you. Exactly. Like, for example, when I moved to the United States, I was talking to, so I lived in the United States for many years. And then I was talking to another American in Japan. And he's like, yeah, bro, America sucks. America is super racist. 
America is a terrible country. And I'm like, that's you, bro. That's you. <laughs> that's your reality. Because when I arrived in America, people were super friendly. They welcomed me. They were super understanding because I was an immigrant. Like, my English was not good at all. I'm like, bro, that's your perception. That, that, that's you, man. My perception of America is freedom, of welcoming people, and people doing their own thing and making businesses and people thinking big. And it depends on the filters that you use. If you come to Japan with the same filters, Japan is this or that or that, that's what you're going to encounter. Mm -hmm. If you, however, change those filters and you're like, okay, Japan is this type of country. I accept it the way it is. But my mind is focused on abundance, opportunities, mm -hmm. uh, learning the language, making connections, serving, serving people, helping out, improving society. Then your reality changes 100%. And there are definitely just bad situations. There are bad companies. There are bad people to be around. But ultimately, you create your world because you decide what you're willing to tolerate and then you decide if you're going to do something about what's maybe less than great in your life. So, A hundred percent, hundred percent. I agree with you. So then what does being yourself and developing your own craft, your own talents, your own entrepreneurial drive in order to help society have to do with the abundance mindset on the other side? Awesome. So if you can develop a mindset, where you see opportunity everywhere, things start to change. Let's say, you know, I'm a, I'm a very spiritual person. Like I love meditating and for like, I really love doing that. Let's say you start meditating and you improve your emotional intelligence, your spirituality, you become a more relaxed and serene person. And because the noise in your head is lower, you start seeing things differently. And you're like, oh, you know what? I, I think I have this talent. And then you start doing that. Let's say it's design. Oh, I think I have some, some good eye for design. You start working on it. You start developing. And then you notice that, hey, I can make very good designs. And then let's say you start your own creative agency and you start helping people out. And you start helping companies from something that comes from deep inside of you, mm -hmm. which is your creative power if you see the world as scarce as there's limited amount of resources there are only two jobs in japan japanese people are xenophobic this and that then that creativity will not manifest so then why do you think figuring out where you can help society is so important rather than just kind of going off and being a creative hermit, just doing your own thing for yourself. Why do you think helping society with your talents is so important? Oh, all right. All right. Here's the thing. Uh, doing your own thing does not mean you're a hermit. In Japan, connections are vital mm -hmm. for you to succeed. Like connections are like the most important thing. You can definitely do your own thing, do your own company, but at the same time, you need collaborators. You need to work with people. You need to have contacts. That is extremely, extremely important. And if you guys decide to come to Japan and start your own business, 
like the first thing you got to do besides knowing yourself is to start networking, talking to people, uh, putting yourself out there. That, that should be priority number two. How did you go about doing all of this networking? Was it finding events that were in the niche that you were interested in moving into? Was it just hanging out with other expats, seeing what communities they knew of? How did you go about that? Right, right, right. Basically what I did, well, I am an extroverted person. So for me, networking is not a problem. I understand that if you are a little bit more introverted, it might be a little bit more difficult. Um, however, what I did is basically I just typed on Google, like marketing events, Tokyo. And I found a couple of them and I just went. I just went there and I'm like, hey, my name is Angel and uh, I'm a designer. Like I, I can do this, like let's go for a coffee. And I just approach people and just talk to them. When you start networking, you have to give them something of value first. Because in Japan, in order to work with someone, you got to first develop a relationship and then they'll help you out. So let's say I'm a designer and I'll be like, let's say I, I meet Masahiro and I'm like, hey, Masahiro, you know, I make this type of content. You want you, you want to like go for a chat maybe next Friday and I go with Masahiro. We, we grab a, you know, a cup of coffee. We talk and then next week uh, we grab a couple of beers in the Izakaya. And then I'm like, you know what? I'm making designs. I can give you a couple of designs for free. And if you like them, we can work something out together. Okay, that's cool. And then you keep developing that relationship. And then that person can become a client. So you got to really nurture those relationships when you come here into Japan. Mm -hmm. And yeah, like, yo, we have the internet. Just Google. Right. Business events, <laughs> Japan. Marketing events, like. Like, like, this is not 1875. Like, you can't Google stuff, dude. Easy. Yes, I love that. Just use the tools you have. That's it. <laughs> Google it. So then, as somebody who's just come to Japan, how do you make sure to provide value in these relationships? Because you obviously don't have these networks. You may not have an established career. You may be pivoting to something completely new. What do you do to provide value to the person that you're cultivating a relationship with? So let's say you go to an event and no one knows you. No one. You got to start talking to people. Like, hey, man, uh, my name is Angel. Nice to meet you. And start introducing yourself, talking to people. And then let's say you're in an event and there's a Q&A session. You can ask questions. You can provide some insights about your personal experience. and so if you open the Bible, like the first thing they say, it's like from the, the word, the world was created. And it's, it's, it's the same in real life. Like when you speak something, you materialize something. So if you just like stand up and talk and share your experience and like people will be like, oh, that's interesting. Let me talk to that guy. And then they'll, they'll, they'll just go to you and then little by little, this person introduces you to this person and that person introduces you to that person and then you start making your network. But again, if you're an introvert, it might be a little bit difficult, but you gotta go out there and talk to people and stand up and talk. And, and after that, you can provide some value because everyone, everyone in this world has something of value to provide. Everyone, like use your talent. Everyone has something of value to provide. 
And especially when you're meeting new people, I found a good way that you quote unquote provide value when you're first meeting someone is just asking good questions, just really listening and asking good questions. It makes people feel good to have people curious about them, but also having people be interested in you gives you a much deeper connection instead of just maybe going straight in there and being like, this is who I am. This is why we should be friends. No. Yeah, no, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, 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 yeah. no, no. No, definitely. Uh, when you approach people, it's always good to ask questions uh, without the interaction becoming an interview. You feel me? right? Like it's it, it's gotta be balanced. But mm -hmm. you cannot go in like, "Hey, I have the best business for you." Like, let me give you an elevator pitch. Like <laughs> Japanese people don't deal with that. <laughs> right, right. That is not yeah. ideal in Japan. No, <laughs> <laughs> not at all. Yeah, of course, understanding the culture is important because in America, there's a, a certain way we do things like go big or go home, mm -hmm. uh, be yourself, like you have to grow your company and be aggressive. And that definitely works in America. In Japan, it's a whole different game, whole different game. If you come with that attitude to Japan, like people will just like ignore you. So you gotta be a little bit more, you gotta interact with, you know, like more. Grace almost. More, yeah, more grace, more like, like, like you said, listening to the person, asking questions. They ask you questions. It's, it's like, it's, it's like, like dancing, you know, like it's like an art. For sure. It's why. Mm -hmm learning how to read the air is so important. And unfortunately, until you can kind of get better at that, there's only so far you can get if you are somebody who can't read the air, so, yeah. Oh yeah, 100%. But again, if you allow yourself to make mistakes, you make, like, you make mistakes and then you will, like, let's say you try to read the air and you fail. Let's say you fail five times, but after the fifth time, you will kind of like, understand how to do it and mm -hmm. then it, it will become natural which is why mindfulness is so important because if you are just stuck in your internal dialogue you're just beating yourself up about it instead of being like oh this is what happened here i can learn from this and i can apply this next time so if you can cultivate that mindfulness you learn a lot faster honestly yes yes um, yes 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 and like, that's why Lydia, you're speaking the truth preach preach <laughs> and that's, preach it. that's one issue I had with Japanese language classes personally because the emphasis was just on doing it right and I had for my study abroad the first time in Japan they would mm -hmm. literally mark down every time you made a mistake and take away points for the number of mistakes you made in that class which is Jesus. the exact opposite of how language learning works so yeah don't that's be afraid crazy. of mistakes. I'm... Don't let other people make you afraid of mistakes either. Because that will hold you back so much. How, how did that make you feel? Like every time they corrected your mistakes? Co the correcting was fine. But realizing that you needing to be perfect in order to say anything. Like then you're just focused on, okay, I know that this is 100% correct you won't try anything new you won't try anything that you aren't completely 100 percent sure isn't correct so you don't learn mm -hmm. you don't grow exactly uh, especially in japan let's say you're in a class right 
you're the teacher and you ask a question. Many of the students will stay quiet because they don't want to talk because if they talk, they might make a mistake, right? And let's say one boy raises his hand and he mispronounces a word in English and the other kids laugh. Mm -hmm. Because the other kids laugh, again, collective society, having low self-esteem, the kid will just fade into the background. Just right. like, all right, I will never ask a question. But if you're a person with high self-esteem, you'll be like, bro, like I make a mistake, but at least I had the courage to stand up and talk. Not like you losers, <laughs> right? We've really got to develop that self-esteem, man. It's so important. Yeah, but it's so hard. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yep, it's a lot of work, but it's definitely worth it. It is, it is, it is. So then moving on a little bit, you said that one of the goals of your movement, your series of seminars, your website in Nightcrawlers is to create more disagreeable people. Why do you think that's important? And I have a feeling what your answer will be, but why might that be so challenging in Japan specifically? <laughs> what, what do you think my answer will be? <laughs> it's challenging because it's so self-reinforcing in Japan to be agreeable mm -hmm. as much as possible, to be agreeable to everyone around you. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So uh, let me ask you this. When I say disagreeable, like what comes to your mind? What, what is your, your concept of a disagreeable person? And my sense of what a disagreeable person is, is just that they are not afraid to say what they're thinking. They're not afraid to try and move away from what everybody else says because people are social people. We want to be accepted. Right, so when right. we're in a group, we try to kind of mirror each other to an extent. So it seems like a disagreeable person would be somebody who's not afraid to not kind of mirror those opinions, not mirror those um, sentiments if it's something that contradicts what they actually believe. Exactly. That was perfect. So that's basically, right, that's basically the image that people have of a disagreeable person. And uh, me growing up in Latin America, in Latin America, we are very straightforward when we talk. Very straightforward. So people have no filters. People always say what they want to say. So for me, this is built, like culturally. When I moved to America, however, I noticed that people really try to be nice. Like, like, shh, shh, don't say that. Don't say it. Be nice. Always be nice. If you don't have anything good to say, don't say anything. And I'm like, but, but it's the truth. No, 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 no. Be nice. Don't say, don't say anything like that. When I moved to Japan, it's the same thing. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm not criticizing. It's just the way that I perceive the culture. There I'm not saying being disagreeable is good and being disagreeable is bad. However, there are room for both agreeable and disagreeable people in the world. When you have a collective culture of a bunch of agreeable people and, 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 and there's something wrong, no one is going to do anything to change it. So, so, for example, I had a student that she was like sexually harassed in her workplace. And because she didn't want to stand out, she's like, no, like, I'm, I'm not going to tell anyone. And I'm like, the hell? Like, that's horrible. You got to speak up. Mm -hmm. Go to the police or something. And she's like, no, no, I, I don't want to make any trouble. 
So why am I doing this with night crawlers? A disagreeable person, in my opinion, there's definitely bad factors of a disagreeable person, and you don't have to be disagreeable all the time. However, there are, there are some instances in your life that you gotta be more disagreeable. For example, if you have a dream and you wanna start a company and all your friends and family are like, nah, you're gonna fail, you gotta be like, bro, like, I, I gotta do this because this is my vision. So in that case, being disagreeable is very important. But again, if people are more agreeable and they have an amazing idea for a business and then let's say their friends are like, nah, man, that's not gonna work. The guy will be like, oh yeah, that's true. I'm not gonna do anything. So who's gonna change the world? And the world changes because disagreeable people stand up, say this is wrong, we gotta change it or we gotta improve it. Let's say Elon Musk. Elon Musk was looking at NASA and he's like, dude, NASA, like they're not, they're not doing anything interesting. And he's like, you know what? I'm gonna make rockets and go to Mars. And in 2024, like we're gonna be there in Mars. Why are we gonna be in Mars? Because Elon Musk was disagreeable enough to be like, bro, I'm gonna do my own thing. I'm gonna make my own rockets. I don't care what anybody says. I'm gonna go there. And he did it. And in 2024, we are expected to go to Mars because of that way of thinking. If a country doesn't have that way of thinking and you just follow what people tell you to do, then like, I have no idea where innovation is coming from because in Japan, birth rates are decreasing. The population is getting older. We have many issues, but people just talk about it. They're like, oh my God, the population is decreasing. What are you gonna do about it? Oh, like Japanese economy, what are you gonna do about it? Yeah, it reminds me about what you were saying earlier, kind of the Kaizen mindset versus creativity where you need both. And it's better Mm -hmm. if you have people who lean more one way and other people who lean more the other way. But if you have a culture where it's mostly one, that can cause a lot of problems on either extreme. Exactly. And that's the beauty of diversity. Mm -hmm. If you have people who think that way and people who think that way, that's diversity. You have people doing different things and society benefits from it. So then do you have any personal examples of any communication breakdowns you've had in Japan that you think are due to differences in culture? Yes. First, not so much communication, but in the West, we tend to be more, we, we just like to shake hands or mm-hmm. hug people. And in Japan, they don't. So once I, I met one of my friends and I was going to hug her like, hey, how's it going? And she's like, oh, oh my God. And regarding communication, usually in Japanese, if you are too straightforward, it's quite rude and people will not say no to you. So they'll kind of like tell you that it's not possible. Like, for example, like, hey, let's say you work at a company, like, hey, can you make me a copy of this? In Western countries, they'll be like, no, I'm too busy. But in Japan, they'll be like, oh, I, it's a little bit difficult. Yep. <laughs> or, hmm, maybe. Or like when I was working in the, like, as a marketer in the Swedish company, like, I would make a, a design. And I will show it to my boss. It's just like, hmm, looks interesting, interesting. but <laughs> mm, 
how about we change this font and mm, maybe this color is mm, just a little bit different. And I'm like, just tell me, it sucks. <laughs> just lay it on me. Just tell me it's horrible and I'll change it. <laughs> right. And that always makes me laugh because the impression a lot of people have about the states is that we're really straightforward. But when it comes to feedback, we're most of us actually are very indirect. We're a lot oh, more like yeah. the Japanese in that sentence, which we would not think based on where we fall on the different spectrums, but we like to do, what is it? Compliment sandwiches or something. Oh yeah, yeah. the sandwich <laughs> method. So we have a lot more in common than a lot of people would think with Japan and the States. Oh yeah, especially <laughs> with my, like, my American bosses. They're like, oh, you did this good. However, you could definitely improve this. But everything else was great. Yes. And I'm like, bro, I don't need the bread. Just tell me it sucks. Like, I need <laughs> that feedback. <laughs> I don't know, man. I just, I just like when someone is, is just real with me. Like, bro, like, your design sucks. I'm like, thanks, man. I appreciate the honesty. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Do you like the sandwich method? Or do you like people to be more straightforward with you? Oh, you were only living in California, right? For the most part? Yes. And you thought people were too nice? Yeah. In a lot of ways? Yeah. Um, well, there's something called Midwest nice, which mm -hmm. is like a whole other level of just being very, trying not to say anything controversial, trying to be as nice as possible. It's like that to the extreme. So that's what I'm used to. So mm -hmm. to that, I do prefer the more Japanese method of implicitly criticizing, like, oh, I can just figure out what they mean without them having to tell me that I suck. Like, I don't mm -hmm. mind that at all. That comes very okay. naturally to me. <laughs> all right, all right. But it does right. take extra work because you have to sort through everything and make judgments about it and decide what they actually meant. But Yeah, like, um, I was, like, I remember I was going to buy something and I was going to use my credit card and I'll be like, like, card ka? Like, can I use my card? And they're like, so this, ne, so. Like, I, I think it seems kind of difficult. Yeah. And I'm like, what's difficult? Just swipe it, bro. Yeah. Like, and I'm like, dude, just swipe it. And he's like, uh, mm, chotto, mm. like he couldn't say no. I'm like, yep. <laughs> that's, that, that, that's just the way it is, you know? <laughs> yep. Definitely a good thing to know. Yeah, 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 yeah. Especially sore wa chotto. Sore wa chotto means no. Yeah, sore wa chotto. And I'm like... A little what? <laughs> what is it? Yeah. So this is sore wa chotto. And then they move their head like... Like they kind of tilt it. Chotto. Yep. yep. And I'm like, chotto what? What? What's a little? What? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Mm. Yeah, that's definitely a big one. It's a big change for a lot of people. Yeah. Uh, especially when I was in the Japanese school, I I remember I asked my teacher like, like Sensei, can I use the toilet? And he's like, if you want, you can go and use it, but I don't recommend it. Like it's not a good idea because blah blah blah, because we're gonna have a test soon or something like that. And I'm like, so can I go? Because <laughs> is that a yes? I don't really understand. <laughs> and I'm like, like, but can I go though? 
and he's like, uh, uh mm, and I'm like, uh, uh, and I just left. I'm like, nah, man, I, I, I got a piece. So I just left. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yo, so yo. then if you were chatting with somebody who is going to Japan for business for the first time, they didn't really know much about it. And you really only had time to teach them one thing. What would it be? Ooh, I guess to really understand what they mean. Because sometimes they'll say something, but something else is implied. Like, for example, maybe, I don't know, like in the United States, like, oh, interesting. Actually, yeah. means interesting. Mm -hmm. But in England, it's like, oh, interesting. It's like, yeah, it sucks. So, kind of knowing what they mean is really important. And how would you recommend they do that? Just, again, cultivating that awareness, reading some books. What would you, you say? Yeah, yeah you got to cultivate that awareness and read about Japanese business. If you, let's say you're like in Michigan and they have like a Japanese meetup, like, like try to join, like get more exposure. To that culture like that's important yeah i love that just keep practicing keep learning yeah because the most important thing because you might speak the language but if you don't understand the cultural cues you can only get so far with just the language oh yeah all right well this seems like a pretty good place to wrap things up is there anything else you want to share with my audience before we head out for today oh yeah sure so Guys, if you are interested in learning about making a business in Japan or learning new skills like regarding marketing, branding, emotional intelligence, uh, leadership, and all these things, you guys can visit www.nightcrawlers.jp. We are building the ultimate business guide in Japan. So we want to like get all the content regarding entrepreneurship in Japan and just put it on one website under one brand. So if you guys are interested in Japan and businesses, entrepreneurship, or whatever it is, go check the website. We also have weekly webinars with um, very influential guest speakers who are thought leaders and entrepreneurs in Japan every Friday at 7 p.m. Japan time. If you guys can make it and you're interested, check it out. It's all free. So please check it out. Yes, the website's pretty new yet, but it looks really great and it's easy to get around. So you definitely should check it out. You know why it looks great? Because it's branded, like the brand embodies our ideals of entrepreneurship mm -hmm. and being yourself and all those things. So we are not your typical business website where people write articles like the top five best apps in Tokyo, like we're right. not like that. Like we, we really dislike vanilla stuff. Like, dude, no vanilla stuff. <laughs> also very glad that it's not set up like a typical Japanese website. <laughs> oh, hell no. <laughs> but that's a whole other conversation. Definitely. But um, yeah, Lydia, thank you so much for having me. It was a huge pleasure uh, talking to you and discussing these ideas. And I hope we can collaborate in the future. Yeah, I do too. I wish that we had had more time to talk about things, but maybe we can have another conversation some other time about ideas. Oh, yeah. I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> All right. Awesome. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you for having me. 
I hope that you enjoyed today's conversation. Be sure to check out the links in the description of this episode to learn more about Angel, his company Hypermilk, and Nightcrawlers. If you're hoping to flex your entrepreneurial muscles in Japan, he's definitely a person that you'll want to connect with and learn from. Please remember to go ahead and subscribe and leave a rating and review if you enjoy the podcast. And feel free to email me at businesssuccessjapan at gmail.com if you have any other questions, comments, or suggestions for future episodes or interview topics. Also, be sure to reach out if you would like to contribute as a guest on the podcast to share your own cultural insights into doing business in Japan. But for now, remember that the more you learn, the more confident you will become as you explore all of the opportunities Japan has to offer you. Until next time, mata kondo!